It's Steph Curry with the shot. Ben cooking with the sauce. Chef Curry with the pot, boy. Today's episode is going to be dedicated to Micaiah Bryant and Terrence Clark. Um, it's, it's tough that, you know, lately I've been having to come in and start my episodes dedicating it to people. Um, life is precious. It's what I've been trying to stress, but Micaiah Bryant, um, was a 15 year old girl who was murdered in Columbus, Ohio by a police officer. Um, the videos was on camera, was on a body cam. Um, it was hard to watch, man. Um. If you're a law enforcement and you can't break up a fight between teenage girls, like, what are you really doing? This also came on the day that Derek Chauvin was found guilty on all charges um, for the murder of George Floyd. And, you know, this happens the same day. Um, I, I first want to say about the George Floyd, um, Derek, Derek Chauvin, you know, I'm happy. Um, this is what, you know, ancestors have fought for, you know, grandparents, great grandparents have fought for. And that's justice. And that's justice. I, I'm, I'm happy, you know, that Derek Chauvin was found guilty on all three charges. But I firmly believe we still have a lot of work to do in the United States of America. I firmly believe that um, there's so much more to be done. You know, there's been thousands of instances of, of police murdering, you know, unarmed people. But there haven't been, you know, many, many, um, many, many people found guilty. And that's 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 tough. That's a hard pill to swallow. But I will say I'm glad that we are moving in the right direction. Um, for Micaiah Bryant, like I said, it's truly sad. This happened on the same day. Um, it's tough. It's tough. So rest in peace to Micaiah Bryant, 15 years old, who was murdered in Columbus, Ohio by police. I'm also, uh, I say rest in peace to Terrence Clark. Um, this was really sad, man. Uh, Terrence Clark uh, played at Kentucky, entered the draft, and he had also just signed um, with Rich Paul and Clutch Sports, and he passed away in Los Angeles, California, and he passed away in a car accident. And that's it's it's tough, man. It's tough to see someone, you know, right right there. Right there making their dream, getting ready to come true. They're right there. And it's all taken away. Um, my thoughts and prayers go out to his family, the Kentucky family, John Calipari. Um, he released a statement. Um, I've seen uh he's he's a Boston native. I know he had a connection with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Um, my heart goes out to everyone, man, affected by this. Um, it's truly sad, truly heartbreaking to see somebody that close to their dreams and it's all just taken away. Um, which makes me encourage everyone to love yours, to love your loved ones, and don't ever take a single day or a single moment for granted. Um, I know it's I know it's it's kind of cliche to say. But I say, I bet I, but I've really been stressing this and, you know, the importance, man, life is precious. Life is also a privilege. A lot of us, many of us are fortunate to wake up, you know, and have a roof over our head, um, to have food, you know, at our, at our disposal that we can have. Um, uh, a lot of us have jobs. 
Um, let's not take those those things for granted, man. Life is precious. Life is very, very short. Um, Terrence Clark passed away at the age of 19 years old. So um, rest in peace um, to everybody I just mentioned. Micaiah Bryant, George Floyd. Rest in peace to Terrence Clark. <sighs> Life is precious, everybody. Life is precious. Live from the 301. Live from the pot. I want to welcome my audience to episode number 164 of Curry in the Pot. I'm your host, Henry Got Mike Curry, and I'm back here with another episode, man. And if you missed last week's episode, man, make sure you guys go check that out. Make sure you guys go catch up, man. It wasn't, it was something slight, man. Did a little NBA update. But today I got topics, bro. Today I got topics. Today I am prepared. I'm always prepared, but today I got a lot of stuff to talk about. I got a lot of stuff to talk about, man. And let's just jump right into it, bro. Let's just jump right into it. I want to start. Who do I want to start with first? I want to start with. I want to start the show with Russell Westbrook. I really, really want to start the show with Russell Westbrook. This has been on my mind. This has been on my heart. Uh, it's been in my thoughts. I want to talk about Russell Westbrook because I, I put out a tweet last week and and it was all facts. It was all facts. I know I'll be speaking facts, but this one was all facts. And I quote myself. What Russell Westbrook is doing is legendary and may not happen again when he's done playing. But the media has been controlling a narrative and it's also trying to convince people that what he's doing is normal. I also started a thread and I had another tweet and I said, like, seriously, let's think about it. If averaging a triple double is so normal, why has only one other player in the history of the NBA done it? Not to mention it was done in 1961 and 1962 season. And it was done by the big O, Oscar Robertson. And he did it once. Russell Westbrook is getting ready to do it for the fourth time. He's getting ready to do it for the fourth time. Let's back up a little bit. Let's back up a little bit. So I said that Oscar Robertson was the first ever to record a triple-double, record an average, I'm sorry, to average a triple-double for an entire season. Oscar Robinson was the first to do so. And this was done in the 1961 and 1962 season. To put that in perspective, my dad was born in 1964. My mother was born in 1966. Bro, this happened before my parents were born. My parents are in their 50s. My mom is getting ready to turn 55 this year. My dad is getting ready to turn 57 this year. Oscar Robertson did that so long ago. And Russell Westbrook is the only person to do it since. Let's let's talk about all these great players that have come through the league. And Russell Westbrook, let's uh, he did this. He had his first triple double. Well, he averaged a triple double in the 2000. 15-2016 season, if I'm not mistaken. If I'm not mistaken. Let me fact check that. Let me fact check that. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty, pretty, pretty sure. Pretty sure. Yes. Yes. No. 2016-2017 season was the was the first was when he first did it. And that was, and that began a stretch of three consecutive seasons where he averaged a triple-double. 
but let's put it in a context. Let, context always matters. I always like to tell people that and I also like to stress that context matters in everything. There have been so many great players that have come through the NBA since Oscar Robertson did it and since Russell Westbrook did it. And Russell Westbrook, like I said, is getting ready to do it for the fourth straight time. You guys know me. You guys know I, I was never a huge Russell Westbrook fan, but a lot of people hate on him. And it made me want to become this this fan. I've, I've, I've developed a newfound respect for him, man, because he gets a bad rap, bro. He doesn't have a ring. You know, he's not a winner. Okay, we're going to get into, you know, guys that don't have a ring too. And we're going to talk about having a championship and stuff like that. We're going to we're gonna unravel all of these. I got a lot of stuff to unpack. We're going to get into it. But there have been so many great players that have come through the NBA between 1961-1962 season and up until when Russell Westbrook did it the first time, which was 2016-2017. And I'm going to start with people who we actually believe were capable of averaging a triple-double. The great Magic Johnson never averaged a triple-double. The great Magic Johnson never did it. He never did it. He had some years where he was really close. Where he was close. 1981, he averaged... 18 points, 9 and 9. But that's not a triple-double. Okay. Well, who else, Mike? Who else? Uh, Let's see. Who else was in Magic Johnson's time? Larry Bird. Okay. Great player. Fantastic player. Larry Bird never averaged a triple-double. Okay. But you're going to say, Mike, you know, these guys have rings. These guys have rings. I'm gonna, and I'm going to get into that. I'm going to get into that. I promise. LeBron James. LeBron James. Great player, magnificent player, plays for my Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, gonna gonna go down as one of the top three players to ever play the game. Actually, top three if he retires today. Some would even say top two. I'm not gonna get into that. LeBron James never averaged a triple double. You know, LeBron James is a pass first guy too. Never averaged a triple double. Let's see, Michael Jordan, the greatest player to ever play basketball. Well, Mike, he was a scorer. I know that's what you're gonna say, but. Russell Westbrook scores too. But Michael Jordan, the GOAT, never averaged a triple-double. We don't hold that. We don't hold the triple-double against Michael Jordan. Why? Because he won six rings. Okay, but I'm going to get into that. Kobe Bryant, my favorite player. My GOAT. He never averaged a triple-double. We don't take anything away from him. because Why? Because he has rings. Okay. All right. I think, I think I've gotten my point across. I think I've got my point across. These great players, I guess the ones that have, and Oscar Robertson even, uh, he even won a ring. But Russell Westbrook, what he's doing, he's convinced the media that averaging a triple-double is so normal. He's getting ready to do it for the fourth time. I've said it already. He's convinced the media that it's so normal. But yet only one person has done it besides him. Besides him. And I can even get into people who have put up triple-doubles, like Jason Kidd. He never averaged one. He used to put up a lot of triple-doubles. He never averaged one. I already talked about Magic Johnson. But why do we why do we hold this burden against Russell Westbrook? Why, why is that? Why is that? And many people are going to say because he hasn't won a ring. Okay. Let's get into that. Let's get into that. Let's talk about the opportunity that he had to win a ring. Okay. Let's get it. Let's get it. Let's get it. Okay. 
the 2012 NBA Finals. Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Kevin Durant, they made it. They made OKC made the finals. And in a route to the finals, they beat my Lakers. They beat Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant played his last playoff game in that 2012 playoffs. They beat the Spurs, the great Spurs, Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili. They beat them in the conference finals. But let's talk about the finals, bro. Let's talk about it. So the 2012 finals, we got a young Kevin Durant. We got a young James Harden. We got a young Russell Westbrook. They met up in the finals against prime LeBron James. Many will say that LeBron James was at his was the, the apex of LeBron James during those Miami years. I would say he was his, at his very best the following year, um, 2012-2013. But he was still great. This is still this is still prime LeBron James, bro. This is still prime LeBron. Not to mention these guys were young. These guys were puppies, bro. Kevin Durant was 23, James Harden was 22, Russell Westbrook was 22. Not to mention, James Harden didn't necessarily perform well in these in these NBA Finals. He didn't. He didn't perform well. James Harden in this series averaged 12 points. Kevin Durant, on the other hand, averaged 30, and Russell Westbrook averaged 27, 6, and 6. Um, he didn't. Russell Westbrook didn't particularly shoot well from the three-point line, but this is a, this is a young Russell Westbrook. This is a young team, and like I said, they played against prime LeBron James. Dwayne Wade was still was still pretty good. D Wade averaged twenty-two in this series. LeBron averaged twenty-eight, and the Miami Heat just had a really good overall team, man. And this was their second straight year going to the finals, so I don't hold that too much against Russell Westbrook. And like I said, James Harden was absolutely terrible in these finals. James Harden is great, but he was terrible in this series. Okay, let's talk about another time where he had an opportunity. And I think this is the only time that you can really, really hold something against Russell Westbrook. But you also got to hold it against Kevin Durant. 2016 Western Conference Finals. OKC is up 3-1 to the Golden State Warriors, man. They're up 3-1. They should take them out. Game 5, they go to the Oracle. Golden State wins. Game 6, they go back to OKC. Here's where you can really place blame. On these guys, because they they kind of wet the bed, man. They kind of they they not even kind of they didn't perform well. They did they blew a three they blew a three one lead. So obviously they didn't perform well. But in this game six, Clay Thompson was absolutely sensational. He was absolutely sensational. Clay Thompson was eleven for eighteen on threes in this game. So let's give some credit when it's due. And not to mention OKC. You, if you watch the game, you watch the highlight. OKC basically had to lead this entire game, bro. Klay Thompson was just going absolutely bonkers, bro. He, it was ridiculous, bro. It was ridiculous, and they ultimately fumbled. They fumbled the bag, and they lost the series. They lost the series, man. Ultimately, uh, we all know what happened in 2016. Golden State is also up three one in the NBA Finals. They blow a three one lead. We all know about the Draymond suspension, et cetera, et cetera. Cleveland comes back down 3-1, and they're the first to ever do it in NBA Finals history. So, if you want to hold not having a championship against Russell Westbrook, you can do it then. I don't like when people bring up, you know, Houston Rockets. Like, bro, they had P.J. Tucker running center. Were they realistically going to win an NBA championship? Like, just think about it. Were they realistically going to win an NBA championship? Those were the only two times where you can say they Russell Westbrook realistically could have won a championship. In 2012 and 2016. All those other years clunked in between 
We got to talk about they traded away James Harden. We got to talk about um, KD got hurt one year. Russell Westbrook got hurt another year. It just didn't work out. It just didn't pan out. 2016 was honestly the perfect case for them to win it. And yeah, we hold that against them. But let's we got <laughs> context matters. Let's talk about let's talk about how fortunate you have to be to win an NBA championship. One, it takes luck. Two, it takes it takes having a great team, an all-around great team. It's really the perfect storm to win an NBA championship. And there's a lot of great players that haven't won it. Charles Barkley, he's never won a championship. Is he? Was he not a great player? It's not in the cards for everybody to win. Allen Iverson, great player. He got to the NBA Finals one time, never got back. It's hard. It's hard to get there. It's hard to get there. It's hard to get there. Uh, John Stockton, Carl Malone, those guys had to go against Michael Jordan in the finals. Here's another one. Hakeem Olajuwon, he won two rings, but this was while Michael Jordan retired. Would he have won those rings? I don't know. I don't know. But there's so many greats. Uh, Vince Carter, Tracy McGrady. Uh, we want to talk about this generation. There's so many guys that never won championship rings. Like Yao Ming was great too. He's a great player. Um, Steve Nash, he ended up winning as a coach. Uh, he was a part of the Warriors organization, but he never won one as a player. It, you have to be involved. In, it's, it's, it's such a privilege to win an NBA championship. You have to be a part of a special group. And, and this is why players go like Damian Lillard. He's probably not going to win a championship. He's probably not. He's staying loyal to Portland, and that's what he wants to do. That's perfectly fine. I respect it. He's probably not going to win a championship. Carmelo Anthony, great player. One of the greatest players of this generation. He's probably not going to win a championship. Now, anything can happen. He could leave Portland or whatever and ring chase. Looking at it as currently constructed, he's probably not going to win a championship. So, I say this to say... Just because someone doesn't win a championship doesn't mean that their legacy should be undermined because it's hard to win a championship. It's really tough. Like, we don't give LeBron James enough credit for going to all of those finals all those consecutive years. It's tough. It's tough. Allen Iverson went to the finals one time, never got back there. Carmelo Anthony, never been to the NBA finals. Chris Paul, another one. Another one. Chris Paul has never made it to the finals. We're not going to say Chris Paul sucks. Like People don't talk about Chris Paul not having a ring. They, I mean, they talk about it, but they don't bash him. Like, they bash Russell Westbrook. That's my point. Great players. It's just not in the cards for some people. And that's okay. But let's not take what we're seeing from Russell Westbrook. Let's not take it for granted. Because we may never, ever see it again. This guy is averaging a triple-double on a different team, by the way. He's getting ready to do it for the fourth straight time. Let's not take it for granted. Let's not take the legend of Russell Westbrook for granted. And that's what I really wanted to start with. Uh, so we got a couple of other things to jump into. I want to talk about Steph Curry, man. He was on this historical run. Context also matters. <laughs> He was on this great run, having like these multiple uh, games of 30 plus. But 
and he's great. He's great. Don't get me wrong. He dropped like 49 and 47 in like the span of three days. Spectacular. But when James Harden was doing it a couple of years ago, nobody cared. And I'm, saying, I'm not saying that nobody like cared at all, but like it wasn't as talked about. Like people were saying Steph Curry should be in the MVP conversation. What? Name C? MVP conversation? What? Julius Randle has a better case to be the MVP than Steph Curry. Like, seriously. Like, seriously. I love Steph. Woody's been doing it spectacular. But come on, when James Harden had all those 30-point games in a row, people didn't really care. People didn't People didn't care. Let me just say, they. I don't want to say people didn't care. They didn't care as much as when, like, a guy like Steph Curry doing um let's move on let's move on let's talk about let's talk about alex smith alex smith has finally called it a career um he's retired um this comes just a little bit after he was released from the washington football team this also comes a little bit after he um appeared in a gq article and he retired, man. I think, you know, he looked himself in the mirror and just said, you know, I'm not a starting quarterback in this league, and that's okay. Um, I first want to say, man, he had a nice career, man. Uh, obviously, we know what he had to overcome and had a really nice comeback. To be honest, he really had no business being on the field. But, you know, that was brave-hearted, man, lion-hearted, man. Uh, very courageous, inspiring for him to make an, a return to the NFL and make a return to the field. Definitely inspiring, man. Alex Smith um, had a good career, man. You know, a lot of people say, you know, he's real conservative. Real, um, you know, um, a check down artist. <laughs> but he was, I want to say he was pretty consistent. He was pretty consistent, man. Played on three teams. Was drafted by the 49ers. Was number one overall pick coming out of Utah, um, played there for a number of years, then was traded to the Chiefs after Colin Cap after Alex Smith got hurt, Colin Kaepernick took over, and um, they decided to part ways and trade him over to Kansas City, man. Uh, he had some nice years on Kansas City, but they never really, never really got it done, and he was traded to Washington, and then we saw the emergence of Patrick Mahomes, he traded to Washington, actually was playing really good football at the time of his first at the time of that major injury and Washington was like six and two or six and three I remember man and that injury that he went down with was just scary man it was just scary but he was the comeback player of the year this past season a three-time pro bowler in 2013 2016 2017 also led the NFL in rating in 2017 was first team all-american coming out of college in 2004 and he played in 174 career games, 199 touchdowns to 109 interceptions, 35,650 passing yards, a completion percentage of 62.6%, a passer rating of 86.9%, had 2,000, had over 2,500 rushing yards, which is kind of impressive. And he had 15 rushing touchdowns as well, man. I know a lot of people miss Alex. They're going to miss Alex Smith. I know Chase Young said a couple of things. Um, Frank Gore said a couple of things as well. Um, Wonderful career, man. Wonderful career to Alex Smith. Um, Obviously, didn't get to that 
ultimate goal of being a winner. But being a winner isn't everything, man. Being a winner isn't everything. I mean, some people it is, but it's context and, and everything. I'm going to continue to say that. That's going to be a theme. Might name this episode context. Context matters. How about that? Um, I want to talk about somebody else that retired that uh, used to play for Washington. And that is... That is um Jordan Reed. We always look at Jordan Reed and we look at his career as what could have been. And Jordan Jordan Reed, when he was on the field, was 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 really good, man. Never had over a thousand yards receiving, but in 2015 season, he had 952 yards and had 11 touchdowns. Bro, bro was nice. We always saw the flashes of Jordan Reed. And that's ultimately why he was rewarded a contract because we always saw the flashes and there was always, well, if Jordan Reed is playing, Washington can do this. If Jordan Reed is playing, Washington can reach this. Or if he's not playing, their their ceiling is not so high. But Jordan Reed was nice, man. He was really athletic, but he struggled and he, you know, was always great at getting open. But, you know, he always struggled with injuries and Specifically concussions. I'm glad that he, you know, looked himself in the mirror, was able to seek professional opinions. And the doctors pretty much told him, like, Jordan, it's not safe that you continue to play football. And I'm actually happy, man, because there is such thing as a life after football. He has a daughter, I believe. And, you know, there's just so much... He has so much left to live for. You know, he's only 30, so it's it's kind of tough. It's kind of tough. He did briefly play with the 49ers last year, but it's tough, man. It's tough. It's, it's extremely tough, but Jordan Reed, man, hats off to him. He had a he had an okay career, man, but, you know, there's always going to be that what-if factor when it comes to Jordan Reed. Let's move on. I want to talk about something that kind of breaks my heart a little bit. And that is Kobe Bryant's Nike deal expiring. Um, It's tough because it seems like Kobe Bryant was with Nike pretty much forever. It's been a long time. Like he was with, he was with Adidas when he first came into the league. Um, Adidas then dropped him after the sexual assault um, whole allegation. Um, my man Kobe was guilty. Um, then he was a sneaker free agent that one year he was wearing Jordans, Iversons. Bro was wearing everything, bro. He was wearing everything. Um, then he signed with Nike. He joined Nike and then went on to release several signatures used. Um, you know, Kobe 1s, 2s, 3s, 4s, you name it. And it's tough because after he passed, well, before he passed, he was kind of one foot in and one foot out. On a Nike thing. And he wanted to move on and start his own shoe brand. Like Mamba Footwear or something like that. Um, But obviously, you know, he passed away tragically. Him and his daughter Gianna and several others uh, were part of that terrible, terrible helicopter accident. And Vanessa Bryant was upset with Nike because his releases... They were so limited. There was only like 300 pairs per each, like in each size that were released. And she was upset because she wanted everyone to be able to have Kobe's. 
She wanted everybody to be able to get him. And I can understand that frustration. And like he wasn't willing to, I guess, work with them. Work, work with her, I'm sorry. Um, my hope is that maybe they can eventually get a deal done and come to something. But um, the, um, Kobe Bryant and his estate have filed trademarks for all of those logos. The Mamba logos. All those logos, they have filed trademark for all of those logos. So we'll see. Uh, my gut tells me that that they'll get something done. Um, Nike has, you know, said that Kobe was a big staple as a part of Nike, and I hope, I hope that they get a deal done. Partially because I'm selfish and I want to be able to cop some more Kobe. Man, I only have one pair. Had a couple pairs when I was younger, but uh, my favorite pair of Kobe's is the Kobe Seven, the Cheetahs that he wore on Christmas Day. Those are my favorite shoes. I even thought about selling those at one point, but now damn sure never selling those. I'm not. I'm not. I, I I can't. I can't. I can't. I love that shoe. But yeah, just wanted to talk about that briefly. I know I'm kind of bouncing around sport to sport, but I put all this in my notes. So I really want to talk about it. Um, Let's talk about the NFL draft. NFL draft is next week. It is next week. And there have been... Um, a, a few players that have been invited and it will attend. There have been players invited and they also will attend the draft. So we got these are the players that will attend. We got Alabama's Mac Jones, North Dakota State's Trey Lance, BYU Zach Wilson, LSU's Jamar Chase, Alabama's Devonta Smith, and also Alabama's Jalen Waddle, Florida's Kyle Pitts. Northwestern's Rashawn Slater, Kristen Barmore from Alabama, Greg Russo from Miami, Micah Parsons from Penn State, Caleb Farley from Virginia Tech, and Patrick Sertain II, also from Alabama, will be attending the draft. We have the draft in just less than a week. I uh, will have my guy, the 15-year-old Phenom Bank, come on. He's going to give us his mock draft, going to give us some scenarios, and we're going to also give our sleepers. Don't sleep. Don't sleep, man. I've given out some sleepers. Gave out some last year. Who did I give out last year? Ben gave out Antonio Gibson. Who did I give out, bro? I know I gave out like Zach Moss and like I gave out Jeremy Chin. Um It's a couple more. I gotta go look at my list or go check back to the episode. But I gave out some sleepers, bro. And I'll be fully prepared to toot my own horn next week. And talk about who I had and who I previously had, man. I had guys like Cooper Cup, um, Joe Mixon, a bunch of guys I've been on my sleeper list over the years. Um, but yeah, yeah. Let's talk about rule changes in the NFL. Rule change has been passed. He has the Super Bowl MVP, Tom Brady, really, really upset. And it is the numbers being changed. So now in the NFL, I want to pull up the full list because I don't just want to say everybody can wear single digit numbers. But I mean, that's almost what it is. But now in the NFL, as you see in college, well, this is what the rule change is. So NFL players will now be able to wear the following numbers. Quarterbacks will continue to wear basically one through 19. Wide receivers can now wear numbers 1 through 49 and 80 through 89. Running backs can wear numbers 1 through 49 and 80 through 89. Hill, running back wearing number 80? 
That's ugly. A full fullbacks can wear one through 49, 80 through 89. Tight ends can wear one through 49, 80 through 89. Defensive backs, safeties, corners, they can wear numbers one through 49. Linebackers can wear numbers one through 59 and 90 through 99. D-line, they can wear 50 through 79. And 90 through 99. O line can wear 50 through 79. And kickers and punters will continue to wear numbers 1 through 19. Tom Brady is upset. He basically said, Good luck uh, when you're trying to figure out the right guy to block. He's upset. I I kind of feel him a little bit, but I don't really have too much of a reaction to it because I mean, I always thought there was potential that this could happen, anyways. But I don't. I don't think it's going to hurt the product of the NFL or hurt, you know, coaching and game planning and scouting and stuff like that. You're going to know who is who. You're going to know. But he's really, really upset, man. He really thinks it's stupid. I mean, in my opinion, I feel like they should have left it, you know, to high school and college and stuff like that. And just let the NFL kind of be unique in its own way. But I get it, man. I'm, I'm still kind of for it. You know, I'm neutral for real, so. Um, that rule has been passed. Uniform number change has been passed. Let's talk about the Knicks, man. Let's talk about the Knicks. Then I'm going to drop some local news and we're going to get up on out of here. The Knicks are currently the fourth seed in the Eastern Conference. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Now, I'm not going to lie. I could have seen them. 10th, 9th, 8th, competing to get into the playoffs. I could have seen that, bro. But to be 4th in the Eastern Conference, the New York Knicks, and on an 8-game winning streak, they've won 8 straight, and they've covered 11 games for you gamblers out there. They've won 8 straight games. They've been balling, man. They, they've beaten, they beaten some good teams. The Atlanta Hawks, they beat the other night. Beat the Hornets. They're, they're Hornets in the playoff mix. Beat the Pelicans. Beat the Mavericks. The Pelicans again, they beat the Lakers. Lakers are down. Context matters. They beat the Raptors. They beat the Grizzlies. They are on a roll. They are on a freaking roll. And Tom Thibodeau would be my coach of the year. It's a lot of candidates out there. Quinn Snyder was running away with it. Doc Rivers also had some consideration, as well as Monty Williams, who's done a fabulous job with the Phoenix Suns. But I think Tom Thibodeau has to, he takes the cake, bro. What he's doing with the Knicks is something I couldn't have imagined. Julius Randle is looking like an MVP candidate. He's leading the Knicks in points, rebounds, and assists. RJ Barrett is really good. Um, I wasn't high on him. And I'm a Duke guy. I'm a Duke fan. Wasn't high on him coming out of college. He's been impressive. Um, the system just works. The system just works. And I want to shout out Julius Randle because he said Tom Tittle really, really believed in him. And he gave him the green light. And he also allowed him to be himself. And that's really important. That's why I always say situations matter. A change of scenery, it matters a lot. And it can do wonders for a player. And coaching also matters because the coach has to empower the player and let the player know that you can do you. You can make mistakes. You can do that. You know, I feel like we don't see a lot of people truly, truly blossom because of coaching. You, you know, you miss a couple of shots, you're out of the game. Nah, man, let me get warmed up. That stuff matters, bro. That stuff matters, and that's why Julius Randle's able to play the basketball he's playing. Also, got a shout-out to the rest of the team. You know, Emmanuel Quickly's been nice. Derrick Rose has been good. Um, 
Alfred Payton's been all right. Um, they just got a team that fits. Alec Burks, guys like that. Nerlens Noel, guys you wouldn't necessarily expect. Guys who are kind of like, some guys are misfits, but Tom Thibodeau has established a culture that is currently surging right now in the NBA. And I wanted to definitely dole out some credit to the New York Knicks. And let's get out of here with some local news. Um, Pro Football Focus has ranked the Washington football team as, as the eighth best roster heading into the NFL draft. Now, that is crazy because we would have never imagined this a year ago. And even after the 0-5 start, we would have never imagined this. But now Pro Football Focus is giving high praise to the Washington football team, their team, their coaching staff, and they have now been graded and ranked as the eighth best roster heading into the NFL draft. Bleacher Report also released a list of players 25 and under, top 25 players under 25, and Chase Young, my guy, is seventh on that list. So, shouts out to the Washington football team, man. I'm excited to see what they're going to do in the draft. And then, out for the Wizards, they're currently on a six-game win streak. Um, they're showing the potential that I thought that was always there. Excuse me. They're showing the potential that I thought was always there. And they're currently sitting at 10th place. Only a few games out of the AFC. Three and a half games back out of the AFC. And they're in prime position to get into the playoffs with the play-in tournament. And for those of you not familiar with it, this was what we had in a bubble. I know a lot of people kind of don't like it, kind of like it. But um, the playing tournament, basically, if you clinch the first six seeds in either conference, you're locked to make the playoffs, you're set. But 7th, 8th, 9th, and 10th, they are not safe. Seven, the 7th seed will host the 8th seed in a one-game elimination. The winner of that will get the 7th seed. Ninth seed will host the 10th seed. The loser is obviously eliminated, and the winner will play for the eighth seed. So then the, the loser of the 7-8 game will host that team that won the ninth seed in the 10th seed game. They will host, and that will be who gets the eighth seed. So it's definitely some new stuff. Obviously, we just got it in the bubble, but it looks like it's here to stay. Uh, kind of on the fence about it, but there's definitely been some years in the past where we've seen teams win like 48 games and missed the playoffs. So I guess it's kind of new, kind of fresh. But I feel like they should have made the first seven teams a lock. And then you could have just let the AFC play the winner of the ninth and 10th seed game. That's just my opinion. Uh, I feel like they should have locked the first seven seeds and reward those guys. Because seven seed is tough, bro, especially in the Western Conference and stuff like that. But that is all I have, man. I want to thank everybody for listening. I want to thank everybody for the continued love and support. I want to encourage everybody, man, to love yours, man. Life is short. Love your loved ones hard. Keep your friends close. And just be safe, everybody. Just be safe. Um, life is precious. And it's a gift, man. It's a gift of life. Uh, thank God each and every day for it. And that's it, man. I want to thank everybody for listening. This is Mike Curry signing out. Episode number 164 is done. Peace. I'm back with the draft next week with my guy Bink. Let's get it. I love you guys, man. Life is precious. Um, live like today is your last. Love you guys. Peace.